0: What's up everybody, welcome back, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast, hope you're well, I'm great, thank you for asking. Um, Today we're going to run through a few questions, give you a little bit of an update on where I am, Um, I did my blood work yesterday, obviously I haven't got the results yet, but they will come in the end of this week, once we get the blood work results, um, blast off. It's time, it's time to move forward. Um, I know a lot of you are probably going to go, what are you going to take? What are you going to use? What drugs are you going to put in your body? Testosterone, probably, to start off with. <laughs> um, I think I think the way that this cycle is going to go for me is I'm going to start low, and I'm just going to slowly but surely build up. So at the moment I'm on 120 meg uh, of testosterone and per week. So I do 40 meg, 40 meg, 40 meg, three times a week. Just to try and keep my blood plasma levels stable as possible, um, and yeah, like I think the first port of goal probably will probably just go to two hundred. You know, I don't think that you need to go crazy with stuff going to five, six, seven hundred, and in like straight away. Instead, just kind of finding your. Like I want. I want. have got the goal of this. This next blast to just not use an AI, not use an aromatized inhibitor. I appreciate there may be a re, there may be a point where. Testosterone is so high that I need to. But realistically speaking, I think there's definitely like a ceiling dose that people can take without needing an aromatized inhibitor. And I'm essentially just going to try and find that. When I was blasting before, I wasn't using one and I was up to 300 milligrams. So I'm sure I'm going to be fine up to 300 milligrams at least without not using it. When I do start to feel maybe slightly high estrogen and maybe slightly high um, side effects, maybe my blood pressure rises, maybe I get some tickly nipples. Some nipples are tickling, which just kind of uh, which kind of uh, t- talks about what kind of says that there's some gynecomastia potentially forming. It does take a little bit of time to form. So if you feel a tickle in your nipples, you haven't got gyno, you may just be aromatizing a little bit more. And then once I reach that ceiling dose of testosterone... I'm probably going to introduce something else that doesn't work on the aromatase pathway just so that I'm not hammering my aromatase pathway over and over again for example you wouldn't look to introduce EQ or anything like that because you've already got your testosterone base you're just going to throw in something else that aromatizes which doesn't really seem conducive to the goal because if you, like I've seen some some stack designs some cycles where they're like okay 200 or well, in fact no it's never 250 is it it's 300 400 meg of testosterone and then two to 400 meg of eq and really like it's working on the same pathway so you're just hammering like seven to eight hundred milligrams of Aromatizing compound into that aromatized pathway like you are getting hammered. So of course you have got to use uh, an AI We know that we want estrogen high to recover. We want estrogen high to progress. It's 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 anabolic. It's part of growth There's no need to stifle estrogen if you're in a position, in a position where you've got supra so higher than the physiological physiologically possible levels of testosterone you kind of make sense to have supra physiological levels of estrogen without the side effects of course so i'll take that ceiling dose it's pr- to be fair it's probably going to be around 300 350 I, i'm going to guess right now but we're gonna not we're not going to race to get there um then I'll bring in a non-aromatizer, maybe something like Primabolin. We know Prima bolin is fairly is fairly well studied um long term in, in, in people. In fact the actual um it's all good, don't worry. Carry on, Mumsy. <laughs> hey? Mum's leaving to golf, but she's lost a purse. Um Hey? Okay, good. Have a good time. Have a good round. <laughs> uh, so actually, when we look at the research of primobolan, we know that actually, like, it, it, we've got long term use data in it up to thirteen hundred milligrams of primobolan. So one point three grams, we've got research up to. We can know that we could probably take it fairly safely, and actually, that 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 study was in women as well. So we know that women actually have a higher Androgen affinity so they're gonna have more side effects. This is why that is why that when you see girls who take it You can tell they take it because they get more side effects than, than we do because they're more androgen sensitive but actually um, The research into Prima is pretty solid So actually I'll probably bring in Prima afterwards and actually I could probably look to bring it in up to a gram I'm not gonna do that, but I'd probably start off with like um, even something easy like 200 milligrams I've got maybe 350 of test then i've got 200 milligrams of primobolin and i'll just push up that primobolin until i find nice a nice middle ground where i'm growing really really well and i feel good and i look good um i don't want to be holding loads of water i don't want to be a bloated water baby i don't think i'll ever use something like an angelone or an mpp or a decker again just based off my personal reaction to it i hold a lot of water my blood pressure goes up and i would much prefer to keep those down to be fair um, and then if we need to we'll bring in something like trend uh, now a lot of people are going to go, oh my God, Tren, yeah, but I'm going to use like 100 milligrams and I'm probably going to start at 25. Who's going to feel 25? Not very many people. And I'll bump to 50 and I'll bump to 75 and I'll go to a ceiling dose of 100 milligrams. Why? Because there is long-term research into 100 milligrams of trembolone, and it's relatively safe at 100 milligrams at a therapeutic dose. So my goal is to kind of use compounds that have been studied in the long term for a safer use model. Things that have been used over a long period of time, things that have been studied, um, and actually, all three of those compounds have been, and actually, most of them haven't. So it makes a lot of sense for us to kind of steer away from the ones that haven't, and all at least the ones that we know that are really, really toxic. So actually, Bolin, testosterone, and tren are probably going to be my go-to's, um, and I'm just going to taper that up as we go, uh, and and kind of go from there. So yeah, I think I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good update of where I am at the moment. Uh, And what I'm going to do, what I'm focused on. (laughs) Let's get some questions done. If I was a Viking, what would be my weapon of choice? So I saw this question and I immediately knew my answer. I would dual wield axes. So there'd be like half axes. You get those big axes, like a a wood chopping axe. Obviously Viking style. So you'd cut the handles off and I'd have just two short handled axes. Um, Shield on the back, of course. Um, I would also want a hidden blade like they have in Assassin's Creed so Like That's the noise of me stabbing someone by the way So I could just roll that's, that's what I used to do in Assassin's Creed Where I used to assassinate people So yeah, dual an dual axe I think would definitely be me I'm definitely a Like a block with the right hand axe Slice with the left hand and then come around And slice with the right hand type thing I think that'd be pretty good uh, has your nutrition changed since going enhanced? I think the only thing that I would ever suggest that someone does differently when they go enhanced is maybe rise their protein uh, bring their protein up a little bit. We have a bigger ability to digest and absorb protein, a better protein turnover with anabolics. So... We could potentially use a little bit more protein. Obviously, there's probably a little bit more muscle protein breakdown, but also there's a lot more muscle protein synthesis as well because obviously using the uh, the anabolics, they're going to grow. So actually, a lot of people say, "What do you? Tra- How do you train differently? How do you-, you don't really eat or train differently? You just do it better. Like you just grow more and you just do more with it." So. There's never really anything that separates a natural bodybuilder from an unnatural bodybuilder, which is why I'd always just refer to people as bodybuilders, because you're bodybuilding in every sense except for the one that you inject your bum. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's literally the only difference is that you stick an oil in you, in you and that's literally it. So I wouldn't worry too much about, like, natural versus enhanced, you know. The, the difference that you feel is just what you're going to output, right? So if you feel like you're recovering better and training harder, like that's going to translate into your training and your recovery. Like it's not, you don't need to just do more because of it. You're just going to be doing more because of it. So I wouldn't worry too much. Will my Instagram handle change if I get to IFBB? Will it be IFBB Joe, IF, and he said Joe Brightman then, because that's who I read off. Um, IFBB Josh Bridgman. No, wait, I'm not, I'm not going to change my Instagram handle to IFBB. I'll probably put it in the bio, but I want to be known as Josh Bridgman because that is my name. Um it is a selling point though. It is a selling point and it is something that you should probably talk about if you're an IFPB pro. So I'll put it in the old title, but not in my actual name. I wouldn't change my name to IFPB Pro Josh Richmond. Not yet. Did you start out as a PT? How did I transition to online? Uh here's a fun fact I'm not qualified in anything. I have zero level two, level three, level four. The only things that I've done don't have qualifications. But I've probably done more seminars, more actual education days than someone who does level two, level three, level four, and at a much, much higher level. So I don't really like this is the issue of this industry. It's not regulated. Like there's a lot of people like me who are not qualified. Um like I I technically can't even go into a into a gym and and like coach someone through it. I'm not insured, I'm not qualified to do that but i can do it online if they sign a waiver uh like it's fine for me i don't really mind because obviously i've got my clients and i've got my business and i can carry on with it but my morals tell me that there should be some kind of regulation in this because there's so many shit houses that compete once and they get mildly lean they get the cs6 pack and they now become like an online coach and they fuck people up especially girls get a lot of girls who jump on board with a, with a guy coach who has no understanding of female hormones, female menstrual cycle, no idea about the damage that you can do to a girl if you cut them um, pretty harsh, and that's exactly what happens. So there should be some kind of regulation in the industry. I I don't know how you do it. It'd be very, very difficult because everyone's already established. So you couldn't just be like, right, none of you can do it. And also, who's the fucking governing body, right? You've got to make one. So it's very, very difficult, but there's a lot of farces, there's a lot of... Issues with just like Fitfluencers selling training programs and just not having any any science, any thought, anything behind them, unfortunately. Favorite night in Ibiza. So, fun fact, I've only been once. Um, we went out one night and I had massive anxiety the second night so I couldn't go out. And the first night was unbelievable until I puked up in amnesia about one thirty, maybe 2.00. So really like in Ibiza the night is just starting at 2 and I threw up and I felt awful because I just chugged down um the bathroom water in Amnesia but they put salt in it which I thought was really really bad like I appreciate it because basically the water in Amnesia and all the clubs patch out like, anyway all the all the clubs in, in Ibiza in Ibiza the water is like a minimum of 6 euros so they make a lot of money off water so they just they make the tap water undrinkable and it had salt in it and I chugged the whole bottle of it before I realised obviously being not sober you just chug it because you're so thirsty because it's so hot and humid as well and I went ah oh, no after I finished it and, and I knew it was salt water and I remember you have that flashback to the James Bond Casino Royale when he gets poisoned and he runs into the restaurant or whatever it is grabs a, grabs a cup grabs some salt and pours the whole thing of salt in and just chugs it down because he knows it will make him throw up and that's all that came into my head at like 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, it's going to come any second. Anyway, we start grooving. I feel a little bit ill. And I literally projectile, like projectile vomit, like across the dance floor. Fortunately, it wasn't Ramo. I had uh, TM Cycles and L there. Uh, and they just looked at me like, has he just done some care? Has he just done some care? Does he feel ill? I'm like, I hadn't even, hadn't even touched anything like that at all. It was literally just the water um so that was my that's my one and only time in Ibiza is like I literally flopped the first night because I threw up although we started at six right so I did get a good like six seven hours in of a good dance but you know got to got to like literally the midway through the night and then I just I just felt awful and I had to go home and then I had really bad anxiety the next I get I get really really bad rave belly Uh, like pre-rave belly I'm sure everyone does it before you take like an unknown substance even though it wasn't unknown like we test our stuff even if you're buying it in Ibiza like I take reagent tests of me I'm not I'm really really not reckless whatsoever I know every single thing that goes into my body I know how much we weigh it out we weigh out bombs everything that we take we weigh it out Uh, and I just couldn't get over this this anxiety this, this fear I get this fear of like when I'm going out on a night out that I've got stuff to do and I also I get it even now, when I'm not doing something, I feel like I need to be doing something. If I'm sat for too long doing nothing, like, I'll play... I can't really play Xbox for longer than an hour. You know, sometimes I'll jump on with Tom or I'll jump on with the guys. And and, and, I, and I will play, especially now, with the games. They're, like, 20, 30 minutes. <clears throat> it's like this. I literally get two, three games in, which is not enough to warm up. And I'm like, okay, I need to go do some work now. I can't be sat there for hours. Unless it's, like, late in the evening. It's very, very difficult for me to be sat on a game for hours because I feel like I should be doing something and that leads to my anxiety and that's what happened when I was on the night out like I was like I should be at home I'm gonna feel awful tomorrow I'm on this trip in Ibiza I need to not do this and that and it kind of just made it all worse and actually the only way for me to get over it was to say okay I'm not going out and then it kind of ruined the holiday not ruined the holiday but you go to Ibiza to have a party and my girlfriend was there to have a party and she loves it there she's been nine ten times maybe so for her, she was like, "Oh, you don't want to go out." I'm like, "Oh, I've got this pressure of her wanting to go out, but also I know that she doesn't want me to make me anxious." And we flopped it, and I couldn't go out, and I felt awful. Um. So yeah, that's my favourite night in Ibiza. Oh, it's going to be loud on the on the old headphones. Sorry. Um, what's your favourite moment of your career so far? I I guess I don't know what you mean by career. Like my business career, my bodybuilding career. So I'll do one in both bodybuilding career was uh, definitely winning that I mean it was definitely last year when I uh, when I came second um, at the British finals and then also the regional both probably quite equal I think that that was the f- that was the year that I really knew that I was actually going for a pro card and I knew that that was the reality of it and I was about to find out whether I was even going to be good enough I knew I wasn't going to get a pro card like you've got to be very, like n- like 90 90, 92, like pushing mid to high 90% chance it wasn't going to happen, but you've obviously always got that sneaky feeling. And it was the first time that... That I found out whether I was good enough or not to compete at that level, and it turns out I was, you know, which is fucking amazing, and that was a huge sigh of release, relief, and release. To be fair, um, and I remember being backstage at that qualifier, thinking, "Fuck, they look big. Oh my god, he's big. Oh shit, he looks good." Because everyone's on gear, right? I know I'd been on, and I knew I'd only been on gear for like six or seven months. I was like, "Shit, that guy's big. Oh my god, he looks amazing." And I won. Like I won the overall. I beat everyone. And that was that was a real telling moment and a big boost in confidence of like, no, I'm going to fucking get this pro card now. I just won. I just became the best in this. like I beat everyone, you know? So I was very, very happy with that. And then I came second in the British finals. And the guy who won got the pro card. So I was even happier about that. Not saying that I would have won the pro card if I had beaten that guy because there were some great physiques there. But that that's what really, really filled me with confidence in, in my competing career. So probably my favorite moments. My business, a hundred percent, getting my car. Um, that was a really, 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 really big deal for me. I've had, I've had, I've had that car, that other car for about seven or eight years. Uh, 160,000, 70,000 miles. Shit wagon, proper shit wagon. Uh, dinks all over it. Car panels all over it. And I've been saying how I wanted a new car for so long, and I didn't really just want to get another shitty old car just to go around I wanted to get a car that I was proud of I wanted to get a car that you know I that I could know when I walk out in the morning and see that car and think fucking yes you've done this you know like real you know some people call it like some people going to say I'm showing off some people say that I don't need to even get a car like that cuz you can put it on a mortgage or I don't need to get a car because you can get a cheap one and save money and I can appreciate all of those angles but for those of you guys who've bought a nice car f- or bought a nice car for yourself or done something nice for yourself you know there's nothing like doing that for yourself it's it's so it was really really powerful for me to say okay i'm going to do it and actually obviously none of it hit. even when the money left my account to to get the car sent to me or whatever like it didn't hit until it came off that that kind of um what was it the H- hgv the trucks the tow trucks whatever you want to call them as soon as he backed off, I went, wow, like, I literally, like, nearly cried, like, I couldn't believe that I've done this, considering where I've been, considering when I was 25, around, I'm 27 now, so two years ago, like, I was, I was asking my girlfriend for petrol money, like, to get to her for Christmas, and I was telling her that Christmas presents, you know, going to be struggle this year, and da-da-da. not that, not that that's, like, a big issue or anything like that, or, or, like, I'm crying out for her. Oh my god! You couldn't buy Christmas presents? Like no, no. Like people can't fucking have a roof over their head. Like I appreciate it, but like relative to my situation, like the, the the last two years have been a fucking slog, and I've worked my bollocks off, and I've really really put it in, and that was a that was like the first moment in that in that those two years where I was like okay, maybe the second moment because the f- the first moment was probably going on holiday with my girlfriend, but paying for the whole holiday. Um, obviously she, she paid her half I made it sound nice then No when we paid half half the holiday each But like I'd never really paid for a two week Like we went away for two weeks I'd never paid for a full two week holiday in my life I'd always done it with my with my parents That's the only time I'd ever been away for two weeks with my parents Or anywhere I'd been outside of Europe was with my parents And they'd paid for it obviously So that was the first time That was the first thing that was just um, m- m- bewildering that I was doing this for myself. And then the car is the second thing. And I get to drive that thing every day and really just like, every time I turn it on, I'm, I I count myself lucky. And I say, I say, well done. I, you know, I, like I say, count myself lucky. Like, but I also actually, I, I kind of did it myself, right? I worked for it. I wasn't necessarily lucky. I'm sure it's happened over the last two years that I've been able to get some money together to be able to afford anything else but the shit wagon. Um, but there was five years before that, right? I've been on Instagram for, for six, seven years. I've had my YouTube channel for about six years. I've got over 490 videos on my YouTube channel, right? It, di- it didn't come to fruition until, in fact, there's not even fruition, right? I've got fucking 37,000 subscribers on YouTube and nearly 40 on on Instagram. Like, it's great. It's loads. It's a lot. But it's no Guzman. It's no Matt Ogus, It's no Brandon Harding. It's no Mo Samuels. You know, there's no 100K plus and so obviously i'm like very far down on the ladder but for me it was a really really big deal to even be able to do this for myself so 100 percent. that was uh my favorite moment of my of my business career um and also like getting that holiday for my mum for corfu as well that was that was really really you know the best thing about that was i actually booked that in december which was fucking great because i forgot about the money and i forgot about the holiday and i went oh by the way (laughs) we're going away and oh you didn't have to like pay for it. Obviously, I'd paid for it, but it felt like you didn't have to pay for it. Those of you guys who buy things, like, months in advance, do you know the feel of when, like, you've kind of earned the money that you've spent back, and then you kind of forget that you don't need to spend it, and you're like, oh, great, we're going away for free almost, but it's obviously not for free. Um, Well, 100 milligrams of real testosterone, he means... This is the issue with steroids, right? You get something that says 100 milligrams on it. You don't know if it's 100 milligrams. More often than not, it is, but sometimes you don't. But he's saying, if I got 100 milligrams of pharma-grade testosterone, so 100 milligrams is 100 milligrams, will that give me an advantage over most natties? Uh, so I have my blood work done regularly, and I, at the moment, I'm taking 125 m- m- megs of testosterone. And the, um, the last time that I had my testosterone checked I was taking 150 so 50 milligrams more than you Um, and I came in at about 37 38 nanomoles bearing in mind the natural limit is between 8 and 30 so let's say we take away 25 megs that's probably going to put me in the mid to high range so like maybe 25 26 nanomoles so 100 milligrams I would say would put you in the mid range so most naturals will be in the mid range most most naturals most people who are natural most men in general Training or not training will be in the mid-range that kind of 15 to 20 range and then if you're above it, I would consider that you've got uh, Higher testosterone but the difference from like 15 to 25. It's not going to be huge It's going to be a difference, but it's going to be huge So will it give me an advantage? Would it give you an advantage over most natties? I don't know Probably not. Would it give you an advantage if you had naturally low testosterone? Yes, it would Supplementing with creatine when assisted. Uh, again, this is a bit similar to that. Oh, what do you eat when you're assisted? What supplements do you take when you're assisted? What how do you train when you're assisted? Nothing changes. There's no re like. Why why would you not use creatine when assisted? None of what you take in terms of like oils, like testosterone, like and no anabolic provides you creatine. And creatine works in in a system like an energy system. It's a creatine phosphate system. So we have ATP. Uh, which is adenosine triphosphate, we know that the ATP molecule splits at the phosphate molecule. So you get a phosphate molecule and adenosine molecule. That split in in cell creates energy. That phosphate molecule then attaches to a creatine molecule to make creatine phosphate molecules, which then split again to to create more, more energy. So if you've got more creatine, you would have more creatine that attaches to more of the phosphate molecules to create longer energy. So actually... Anabolics don't don't interact on that pathway, so there's no reason for you not you to, to use creatine natural or not. And in fact there's some great studies into creatine and methylation, some actual brain health and antioxidants. So I would say there's there's a place for creatine in, in everyone's diet. Training or not training. Beginner cycle, I'm I'm just gonna jump to the toilet quickly and then we're gonna do a beginner cycle. Sorry about that. Never normally comes over me. Drink a lot of water this morning. Um so yeah, like beginners, beginner cycles is always a, a gray area because you don't want to encourage it. But if there are people out there that are going to do it, you want to educate them properly. So here's my best to do this. So like I said earlier about AIs, you don't want to be taking so much testosterone that you need an AI. So that means you're just going to start low. 200 milligrams, easy. I would say a first cycle doesn't need to be more than 200 to 300 milligrams. You can even start at two and then work to three. So let's say you do 12 weeks. Arbitrary number. It doesn't mean anything. It should all be based off bud work. Weeks one to five, you do 200 and you feel great. And then you start to, you don't push food crazy. You don't push everything crazy. You just start to push up food gradually. You see that massive progress. Oh, you feel great. You look good. Let's hold off then. Seven weeks, eight weeks. Oh, you still like, okay, cool. Like you're getting a little bit stronger. You've managed to really, really progress. Let's, let's put a little bit more in. Let's do two fifty, another fifty milligrams bump. Then you are gonna fill out even more, and you can have another effect of it. And then you are gonna go to three hundred, and then obviously you are gonna be done. But generally speaking, no more than three hundred milligrams ever is gonna be is gonna be needed. Like you, you want to keep that sensitivity to drugs. You want to keep that ability to to use drugs in lower doses available. Really, you really, really do want to keep it available because it's easy to. To skip out on. Uh, that's literally it. That's literally it. Like there's nothing else to say really. Um, cruising versus going off. Um, or going on to TRT or anything like that. So he said which is healthier. This is difficult right. Because there's so many concepts of health. There's so many dimensions and facets of health. Where. if you If you. If you blast. So you're taking exogenous hormones. Which turn off your endogenous hormones. So they turn off your hormones that you naturally produce you then stop because you have to stop for five weeks to let the 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 compound clear from you before you PCT so you stop for five weeks so you have increasingly lower and lower testosterone to the point that you've got zero testosterone zero zero LH zero FSH and probably quite low estrogen all of those things aren't nice and then you start a PCT So you do two weeks PCT, you start to kick up your LH and your FSH and your testosterone is back up to like five or six again because it started to kick back on. So that's now maybe, say, let's say the second two and a half weeks of that five weeks at a really low hormone. You've then got two weeks of PCT where you're at a low hormone. You've then probably got, what, another two months of your testosterone climbing back up to where it was or where or close to where it was maybe not right back where it was but close to back or close to where it was so that now is like 10 weeks of compromised hormone and by compromised i just mean not stable so you've come all the way down for a pct you've had two weeks where you're a little bit low and then you've got like two months where you're slowly but surely climbing back up or however too much like these numbers are arbitrary. It may take two days, it may take two weeks. I know people that have come back on in two weeks and been fucking 26 nanomoles. So you may be fine. But I would say if your goal is to go back on steroids and to go back on for the long term and you're trying to be an IFBB pro, it doesn't really make sense for you to constantly just be switching this on and off um and running periods of time with no hormone where you're probably going to lose loads of muscle. Whereas you could be much more stable by just going from end of cycle to TRT and then just staying there until you're really, really healthy. Then blasting again, because not only are you going to keep more muscle because you've got stable hormone, but you're going to have less like fluctuations in mood, sex drive. You're actually just going to feel all right. Like being in TRT is normal. You've lived however many years of your life at a TRT level of t- of testosterone. So you're going to feel normal. You're not going to feel like gone and like you're not gonna have that huge feeling of like i need more drugs i need more drugs i've been on gear for two years now nearly two years i keep saying two years but it's two years in november i've never once at any point thought i want more drugs i want more drugs until until like this last one now until not not that i want more drugs but i'm just like okay i'm i'm ready to fucking grow again um that's because i've just been down to trt and i've just i've never really kind of come off i mean i appreciate it sounds probably quite scary for some people having to inject all the time and whatever but ultimately i think that's the choice that you've got to make when you're coming down this this route if you're gonna do it once or twice all right sound but if you're doing this for a fucking career you're doing this to be a better person you're doing this to be not a better person you're doing this to be better at your profession if you're doing this to be number one in the world i don't see the benefit in coming off personally but that's just me um what's my relationship with jp like now Jordan Peters. Any of you guys know Jordan Peters? I actually used to be coached by him for about 18 months. Um, actually, me and my ex-girlfriend were both coached by him and Corin. And actually, I think the real reason, and I, I think he probably... Uh, in fact, I remember he said I thought this was coming when I when I said I'm going to be done with coaching. But what happened was is that we were both coached by him and Corin. And she stopped with Corin um, because she just... Was a flop artist and didn't really, just didn't really get into it. um, I don't even really talk about. It. And then I was just like, okay, well, I'm ready to just take a break from it because I'd been on for eighteen months. And JP is like, he's a workhorse and he'll batter you. And I, I probably wasn't ready for that in my life. I wasn't ready, like, because I wasn't taking gear because I was still natural when I was with JP. And a lot of people probably think I wasn't because obviously JP. Um. And I feel like I just got worn out, and I was very, like, I don't know if I'm working towards my goal here, because I look I looked all right, like, I looked all right, but it wasn't anywhere near what I wanted to look like when I was shredded. And I know that JP pushed me really, really fucking hard. Like, I'd push harder than I've ever pushed in my fucking life. It was horrendous. There were times in that prep where I was just really questioning everything, and I don't think many people could have got through that type of prep. That was, like... 100 minutes of cardio a day 60 minutes in the morning fasted 40 minutes in the afternoon I had zero carbs on rest days and zero fats on rest days I'm talking trace I'm talking whatever is in chicken was the fat I had And I would have like 300 grams of protein a day and that'd be, so it'd be 1200 calories on those rest days and 100 minutes of cardio It would be fucking it was really 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 hard And I kind of ju- I think I just got burnt out I got tired. I kind of just wanted to relax and eat a little bit, and I kind of just said, "I don't need, I don't need JP breathing down my neck every day because that's what he is, and that's why he's so good, and that's why he breeds fucking champions, you know, because he he is on you, um, not not not, not like on you, like, Josh, how are you doing? Is it this? Are you doing this? But more just like, this is what's happening, you know, like you'd check in, you'd get your sentence uh, or your paragraph from him, and it would be like, good week, bud. Let's go another week let's go more food more food and the food would go crazy high and the food would go crazy low and that would just be it and I needed a break and I, and also because I was natural I had that that midlife that midlife that young life crisis of where I was like do I want to get on gear I'm not sure I don't know what to do so I just kind of took a step away a little bit and I actually took about s- seven or eight months just on my own and just relaxed and just tried to get big on my own in fact no it was longer than that It was about 18 months I think I did and then, uh, and then I re- I saw Cal, uh, my current coach, and I thought, I'm ready for it. Let's make that jump. Um, but my relationship with JP is really good. It's like we we train at the same gym, um, really really often. I will spot him, he'll spot me. Um, yeah, we're absolutely sound. Like JP's not one of them guys to give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like and that's nice. So like you get these these fucking coaches these days who like hold a grudge if you leave them. And I'm thinking, why? Like you, you... I just did 18 months with you, like every single like and at one point we were talking every single day for six weeks so you like i've got loads off you relax like you, you've i've just paid you for 18 months like, i've just paid you I that was i paying jp i think i was paying him 140 pound a month i just fucking i just paid you over two grand like why are you annoyed at me for when i'm leaving not that jp wasn't annoyed at all jp was like yeah man it's been a pleasure like great well done like we'll see you in the future you get these some these like these fucking cl- these coaches who think that the clients owe them something and i think no no you, you owe them <laughs> like you they've paid you you give them the service that like, you don't need to like get annoyed at them when they want to leave some people have learned their lesson some people don't like your method some people don't like you some people don't think th- didn't think that coaching was for them some people thought coaching was going to be different some people want to try it themselves like it's it's normal it's the way of life so you need to stop holding these grudges so yeah me and uh, jpr sam bent over row controversy night. i answered this one um or i put this one on here because there's a lot of people bent over rowing at the moment and there's a lot of people bent over rowing a lot of weight at the moment as well um like we're talking 140 150 kilos plus for these bent over rows um which is savage um I don't like a bent over row I don't I think there's just better movements like for me like if you're fucking bent over row for me especially right because I'm strong so my bent over row is a 150 top set so I've got to be able to hold 150 kilos in like mid-range hip flexion so like hip flexion is where you bend at the hip forward so you've got to bend at the hip forward to give yourself a good enough angle to row it so you need a really, really strong back. Like you need a you need a back that could deadlift 200 kilos easily to be able to hold it in a 150. So there's a load of pressure on the lower back, and then you're kind of coming on this slight arc, which is a bit odd, um, but it still works because you arc most most pulls. And like, it's really easy to use your traps. It's really easy to use momentum, and it's really easy to come out of that hip flexion. It's really easy just to pop up a little bit to try and get it. And this is why people will say, "Oh, you've got shit form when you row." it's because you're stood up upright because it's a hard movement because you want to pull it in different ways i just i just wouldn't really program many people a barbell row you 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 do a barbell row if they're real strong in hip flexion you do a barbell row if they've not got much equipment if they've got not many chest supported machines then yeah sure you're going to go ahead and and barbell row it but a chest supported row is going to shit all over a barbell row in terms of back development i don't care who tells you like Send them to my page. To be fair, I'm sure a lot of load of big fucking bodybuilders are gonna to come to my page now and be like, Josh said the barbell row is shit. I don't think it's shit. I think it has a really, really good place. I think there's something better to hit to hit, I think there's something better to hit your lower back and hip flexion, and I think there's something better to hit your back. So I would much rather split the two and do an RDL and a chest supported row of some sort some sort. That makes sense. Um and it's really really easy to pull a fucking lot of weight on there There's so many people just bobbing up and down with 150 kilos these days naturals on gear not on gear and it's all just a bit all over the place but it's what it is that they're, 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 they're all making progress right so it's, it's you're still loading the muscle in a way is it efficient? i personally don't think so um doesn't mean that it doesn't work at all though I'm going to leave it there, guys. Let me know if you enjoyed this one. Um, I'm trying to conjure some story times. I wrote down a few story times, but I lost them in my notes. I can't find them. It's killing me because there were some real good fucking corking stories in there, but there'll be some back soon. Let me know if you enjoyed this one, guys. We'll speak to you soon. Peace and love, everybody. Bye-bye.